0: Disclaimer, I didn't get all the tenses right in Drew's quote, so yeah, that was my fault, not Drew's. Just wanted to clear that up. Sorry for not being exactly verbatim, Drew. A leader in my life. I am becoming my father, and I could not be happier. My father is the single greatest leader in my life, par none. I love my dad. He has been actively involved in helping me to become a stronger, wiser, and better man since day one. I could not begin to enumerate the lessons, skills, goals, and characteristics that my father's leadership in my life has established in me. They are legion. Rather, I will present a single, demonstrable example. Since the time I learned to talk, my father has been teaching me to speak. Logical, critical thinking problem-solving, and debate have been part of everyday life with my father for as long as I can remember. He wanted me to have not only autonomy and intellectual strength, but also moral integrity and wisdom. He wanted me to know what I believed and why I believed it. Furthermore, I had to be able to articulate my position. Debates on various topics were and still are a family pastime. Just for fun, we will argue point and counterpoint until a clear winner is established. Even after a real dispute over a real issue, my parents often would still take the time to discuss my language with me and critique my rhetoric and arguments. Don't use so many absolutes in your argument. They're often difficult to prove conclusively. Try not to let your emotions dictate your speech. A wise man always thinks what he says. A fool always says what he thinks. Work on communicating, not just talking. Use appropriate words. Articulate your thoughts into the best, most understandable message. Eye contact. In this way, my father has led me to become a proficient communicator. I'm thankful for my father's leadership in my life because today I am very, very happy and I know why. I have done what he has led me to do and I am who he has shaped me to become. I'm not perfect, but I'm always working toward a goal my father taught me to pursue. God has given me this day to do as I will, I can waste it or use it for good. What I do today is very important because what I trade for it is a day of my life. When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever, leaving behind something I've traded for it. I want it to be gained, not lost, good, not evil, success, not failure, in order that I should never regret the price I paid for it. This day is my day to move ahead. Now my days are full of life, my nights are full of peace, and my future is bright with promise. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> That was uh, Drew McGaffigan speaking about his father, Andy McGaffigan, as reprinted in Run with Abandon* by Jill McGaffigan. Um, I have the pleasure of knowing at least a little bit all of these delightful people. And uh, I just finished Jill's book, finally. Um, Yeah, this, I wanted to cry when I read this. It's... It's one thing to be highly spoken of by strangers right by people who know you from a distance and maybe only see your highlights right they know your reputation but they don't know you but when someone who lives with you for at least 18 years um thinks the world of you right like i i just i can't imagine doing parenting like better or more successfully than this um you know, Andy was a professional baseball player. And it's very easy to think that, you know, that might have been the highlight or the great accomplishment of his life. But, you know, in so many ways like this this, right? Like forming a man. Um I just I I don't have words. Uh yeah, I just honestly, it's that's not super related to the rest of this episode. I just wanted to share it. I thought it was amazing and incredible and so well written as well so i did not get your permission Drew, like your mom did but um yeah i hope you don't mind that i'm bragging about you and your dad so here are some thoughts from jill that i um that were very convicting that this is really the um the heart of my questioning i guess Is God everything to me, or do I need just one thing more to be content? Am I willing to let go of everything if that is what the Lord requires of me? Can I give God permission to do whatever it takes in my life to make me pliable to his shaping or to accomplish kingdom purposes that I don't understand? If I want to be wholly his, I will need to release the hold I have on all of my treasures and trust them to God's safekeeping. These treasures include my possessions, goals, comforts dreams, and loved ones? Am I willing to graciously accept unemployment, singleness, poverty, pain, or even persecution for my faith because my hope is in the Lord rather than these events of life? So that's also from Run With Abandon. It's the final chapter, 18, running to the end. You know, it's it's really convicting. I read this story um, of the rich young ruler so many times. And often walked away kind of patting myself on the back because I'm not rich, right? I don't have a ton of excess wealth, so I'm fine. It doesn't really apply to me. So, you know, congratulations. Uh, But the way that Jill shared the story in this book was it's not really about the wealth. Um, It's about whatever is a stumbling block, right? Whatever is between you and God, whatever is that that one more thing that you think that you need, and then you'll be happy, and then you'll be satisfied, and then you'll be content, and then God will be good enough. There's a reason it took me so long to read this book. Whenever I got convicted, I put things down, um, and that was very convicting because I've definitely been in a season of not one more thing but at least two more things I'm just like God like I just I've been waiting for so long for for these things um and they seem as far away as they always have seemed maybe further because I'm not getting any younger and I'm so impatient and you know now I'm sitting here wondering, hey, I may never have those things. and it's hard to reconcile my narrative like that because I want, so badly to be vindicated and to be triumphant, you know. I want the happy ending, I want happily ever after. And yet, and yet, I'm aware that I don't know whatever I do in this life like, not that this life doesn't matter, but I, th- I think it matters a lot. I think it matters so much. It's not just, um, I don't know, like, in on the one hand, it's, life is short. Right, like in, in the sense of eternity. Life is a blink, but I still think it matters. There's a reason we're still here. Um, and I think a lot of that is to form us, right? To be formed into the character of God. Because someday we will have a lot more of the power of God, right? Like, I mean, not that I don't know. I don't wanna get too theological here because I'm just gonna get sidetracked, but you know. It matters who we are. It matters how we are. Um, And so anyway, I'm just, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, like, what if I don't get those things? What if I don't get those things? Will I still follow Jesus? And honestly, this is the question that has been tripping me up my whole life. Every time I've walked away from faith, it's been because I really was hoping for something and there was this devastating loss. And I didn't know how to process and I could not believe that, you know, um, that God could be real and God could be good. And yet here I was being deprived, regardless of whether or not it was my fault. And let me be honest, it was my fault. Um, And so I am, again, reminded that often, not always, but most of the time, consciously or unconsciously, I am not really following god because i am interested in god i am following god because he adds value to my life right I, I don't know how to make sense of my life without god if i weren't a christian i would be dead um jesus literally saved my life not just in an eternal sense but in the in the right now sense so in those moments where I lose hope, in those moments where um where my dreams seem dead, withered on the vine, it just kind of feels like, man, what was the purpose of all of this? Right? Does any of this even matter? Or am I just another false prophet of a false messiah? Um But I'm not here to be a downer. I I think that this is the, the point of this book is not that we should, um, you know, despair, right? The point is not that we should just focus on all of the bad. And honestly, it's so much easier for me to believe the bad, right? To believe that there will be suffering, to believe that there will be loss, right? To believe that people will have to endure all kinds of, you know, unspeakable, indescribable, just pain. Than to believe that things are going to work out all right in any temporal sense. Um, I'm super guilty of being someone who struggles a lot with praying for healing for people because most of the time nothing happens. And I have just gotten in the habit of assuming, well, I guess God doesn't really care, right? Like he can use anything to his glory, he doesn't need it to be good, to be glorified. So he doesn't care. So he's not uh, concerned with the outcome, which I think is bad theology, is very harmful. And it has impacted the way that I view and value myself, right? If, if I'm just expendable, if if God's purpose in my life is just to um, to use me as a pincushion to, to make himself look better, then yeah, I'm going to have some trust issues. I'm going to have some unresolved anger and I'm going to keep running away because every time I see God, all I'm expecting is to get pricked. Um, But but what if that's not what God has for us? I think of my friend Aurora, who spends a lot of time in timeout. And, uh, you know, I was watching her on Sunday and she was just wailing and honestly i was it was it was really hard for me like I, I wanted you know be respectful of boundaries because i'm not the parent but i just really wanted to go beg robin like please please let me go sit in timeout with her because i i can't handle this like there's there's nowhere else i want to be i don't care if i have to be in timeout like or like let me take timeout for her um and so again i'm just reminded of you know the the, the things that we don't get God knows what we need and God knows what we desire, right? God knows what's best for us. And it's hard to trust. It's hard to trust even when you've known Him for a long time, even when you've seen Him come through over and over and over again. Even when I'm counting my blessings all the time and none of them are from the list of things that I thought I wanted. um, It's hard. It's hard to trust. It's hard to hold on to hope. But if God is a good Father, and if we are like children again, right? If we can really believe that, yeah, no matter how hard, how long this time out feels, right? Like, no matter how much it is just excruciating and it feels like separation and it feels like the end of the world, right? Like, we know if, if there is an end because God isn't out to torture us. He's teaching us, He's testing us, He's preparing us. Um, and always, Timeouts are a function of love, right It's it's not and I, I hate to use timeout as a um, yeah, I just it's not that we're always being punished, right And it's not even that we're always being disciplined. Um, I think that a lot of times it's just the the natural consequence of living in a fallen world surrounded by fallen humans. Um, and yet even in those things, right like in experiencing pain, and there's nobody that's alien to pain that's stranger to pain um in those moments god is with us right and and jesus did say let me take time out for them right like I, i'm just reminded again of of how you know i sometimes i think jesus had a cushy gig let me put it that way right like he he got to be god in the flesh and so you know obviously had this totally you know supernatural confidence and he never had to question his identity and blah 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 blah. but really really i, d- I don't think that that's accurate or fair um i mean he, had, he did have a relationship with the father but he was very intentional about maintaining that right like and he um and he he suffered like no one else because he knew better than anyone what he was walking away from when he came into the flesh right like even even just being human would have been so much harder knowing where, where he was before and knowing like how, like even as close as God is, like it's not as close as he was before. Um, and knowing, you know, just having to wait, you know, like I'm waiting for these things, but Jesus is waiting to return to the father and Jesus is waiting to redeem mankind. But he also knows that the redemption is going to cost him so much to the point where he's pleading, like, I don't want this. Is there another way? And yet more than that, he wants to please his father. And you don't, I don't know. um, That's not a place that we will ever get to from birth, right? We come out of the womb screaming mine and, you know, wanting things to be the way that we believe is best. Um, But I, I don't know. I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's who God is, right? To go back to Drew's letter about his dad, just god has a, a vision for who he wants us to be and he's shaping us right but and but i think one of the things that stood out to me so much in that was that drew's father wanted him to be autonomous and intellectually strong not just to be a parrot right he wasn't creating a um a robot somebody who was going to be the dad pleaser 3000 right like it was you know you're my son. I want you to be able to think your own thoughts and to pursue them. But I want your thoughts to be good thoughts, right? I want you to scrutinize them. I want to challenge you, it's because your thoughts are going to determine your life. So let's make sure that, you know, even even if it means that we disagree, that that you are going to um, think things through, right? That you're going to learn how to communicate. That you're going to learn um, what it takes to be successful. What it takes to be happy, right? Um, How to be a man. And so now I think of God doing the same for us. Um, And in so many ways, through so many people, um, just, yeah, God, God also has a vision for us that's not automatons, right? He wants us to be fully alive in him. But that in him part is really important because, you know, my friend Jeff is fond of quoting John 15, that he's the vine and we're the branches apart from him we can't do anything and i always ignore that part right like i just i get so proud of being a branch and i'm like okay cool i got this and try to ditch the vine and i i can't do it it's not possible and as soon as he gives me just a taste of something good i i just start skip running ahead you know what i mean i just i want the next thing i want more i want more Blah blah blah, and I'm just not even able to enjoy the good that is here right now. And also, I don't know. I, I'm missing the point. What if what if the good that I have today is not really about tomorrow, right? What if it doesn't make it to tomorrow? Is it still good today? Um. Yeah, I just I don't know. I'm in a I'm in a emo season of my life. If you've been around, I apologize because, yeah, I um, I would like to be steadier and more sound but i'm not right now um it's been it's been rough but i've had so much love and so much support and i'm very grateful for the people that have reached out and been um so kind and so faithful and um, even for the people who didn't know Right? Like just, just for your regular kindness. That's not, oh, hey, this is an emergency. Like let's let's drop everything and come to you. It's just, hey, look, like we just we love you. Like we always love you. We don't need an excuse to love you. Um yeah, I just I I'm struggling to give up things. I'm struggling to believe that God is enough, that God um that I can trust God, that I can be satisfied in God. Right. And it's interesting because there's a part of me that knows, right? Like I'm choosing to stay upset. Because I didn't want to be upset. I didn't have to be. I could let this go. I don't have to press my case. I don't have to insist. But God. Right? Like, don't you know? Don't you care? The um the very self-aggrandizing version of this podcast, if it had been recorded three days ago, would have been I feel like Lazarus in those four uh in those days, right? Like not even four days, but Lazarus was sick and Jesus didn't come. And then he still didn't come after he was dead. He didn't come after the first day. didn't come after the second day. He didn't come after the third day. He came four days after the man had passed. He had plenty of notice and he didn't come. And I just, I think of Lazarus in those days of just being like, man, I thought we were friends. I thought you cared, right? Like you, you could be here. You could save me. You're just going to let me die. I couldn't imagine dying like that, thinking that my friend, my God, had abandoned me. Um, And I don't know if he thought that, right? He was sick. Who knows how present or conscious he was. But for the living, we know that it was hard because Martha asked and Mary asked, Lord, don't you care? You could have been here. You could have done something. And yet... They still ran to him, right? They still threw themselves at his feet and just wept. You know, they were they were honest. They didn't understand it, right? Martha tried to reason through it. and Mary just (laughs) couldn't. Um, But God wasn't going to leave it that way. And I think that that's the thing that I keep forgetting is that even when things are dark and hard, that God's not going to leave it that way. And I don't mean that it won't end badly here on earth because sometimes it does sometimes it ends tragically here and that shakes faith but that's not the ending right i talk about the happy ending and happily ever after but that doesn't happen in this lifetime we know that however good life is on this earth that's not happily ever after that's not the happy ending so i've just got to slow down as my friend steph challenged me recently slow down and and get perspective to extend my vision beyond my life here on earth to my life in eternity right like so for example right i've talked i've tried to avoid talking too much about singleness on here because i just i don't want to sound like an ad i'm not like soliciting uh blind dates or anything you know what i mean like i I don't want that please please don't do that to me um but that's been you know one of the struggles for sure is just um wanting to be married and feeling you know just old and inadequate and just that it's never going to happen right that i'm unworthy and i'll never be worthy Um, another thing that i've been struggling with is just feeling broken um mentally I feel like you know people. My sister was praying for me the other day, and she was saying, "Man, it's got to be so overwhelming to be able to do so many things that you can't just do anything." And you know, it's interesting that people see me that way—just somebody who has so much promise and potential and whatever. Because what I see is someone who is broken beyond repair. I I feel like I, my mind is broken, and God won't fix me, and that's a not that he can't fix me, but that he won't. And that's a hard thing to to, car- to carry, right? Like it, it, it makes it hard to trust God. And it makes it hard to believe that God is looking out for me when I feel that way. Um, and then I think about work and just, again, how I'm becoming my father too, but not necessarily in ways that are pleasing to me. And I don't mean to use a space to bash my father. Um, he is a good man and I have reason to believe that more than most people because I live with him still to this day Um, you know but my my dad had to medically retire 10 years ago and it's hard it's hard to see that and now I'm like man I've never even got to have a career really, you know, and I feel like I'm already an invalid, which I don't know, maybe that's dramatic, but I uh, I just keep looking at jobs and looking at the requirements and I'm like, I can't do any of these things. I, I don't have the ability to do any of these things. Um and so I I don't know. I just sit here and I wait and I wonder, um, is it ever going to change? Is it ever going to get better? And then I think, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I mean, my assumption is yes, but I don't know. And sometimes my assumption is no, and those are dark days, but um, but I'm not living for this life, right? Like I'm not living for 70 or 80 years or 30 years or 40 years or 40. I don't know. I don't know how much time has been allotted to me. I don't get to know until the end. And I guess at that point, I still won't know as it's happening, but I uh, don't want to spend my days in regret and in unbelief and rebellion and just petulance because that's been my response so far. It's just, well, if you don't care about me, I'm going to do whatever I want, and then I'm going to suffer, and then I'm going to blame you, and then I'm going to come crawling back repentantly, and then we're going to do this all over again. Um, Yeah, no, I think the, the main thing about this life is to love God and love people, which is not all that complicated. Um, As Bob Goff would say, it's simple, not easy. And so, yeah, like those are the things that are going to remain in eternity. Um, And I want to do those well. If I can't have those things and if I don't get those things and I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. But regardless, that's not... That can't be my motivation right because i don't want to just have a goal right because what happens when when i get those things right can i steward them well probably not like if i were married today it would be a disaster if i were thrown into a full-time job today it would probably be a disaster um you know to be mentally healthy i don't even know what that would look like and so to call that a disaster sounds a little bit weird but it would be very different to you know i think of the the um, lame people or the blind people that jesus healed and you know it's good to be healed but it's also like completely changing everything about your life like you everything that you knew about yourself everything that has defined you for so long is now so drastically different um and so anyway just i don't know i uh, i keep doing this i keep coming here and spilling my guts, because I want you to know that beholding Jesus isn't always, I don't know, roses and rainbows. A lot of times it's thorns and thunderstorms, Um, but God is still there. God is still good. And yeah, I I want you all to hold hope, because it's what I'm holding on to. Without hope, there is no life. And um, jesus came so that we may have life and have it abundantly so i invite you to live wholeheartedly um in the uncertainty and the tension as i'm struggling to do right and it's a struggle i don't have anything figured out uh, but i don't really think it's about knowledge i think it's about practice right it's about i mean knowledge in the sense of there are two words in spanish for to know Um, one is i don't actually know my spanish that well i know that one is conocer i don't remember what the other one is um, I'm tempted to say it's saber, but one of them is to know things like information. And one of them is to know things like to know people. And that is what I have to shift right in my head is not to just accumulate facts about God, but to begin to know him as a person, right. As, as a father, as, um, as a savior, as a comforter and an advocate and all of the things, you know, um a healer, a protector, a provider, a friend. But but those aren't titles, right? Those are functions. Those are things that God does for us regularly, routinely, not reluctantly, not uh, resentfully. He loves us. He loves us. He loves me. And he loves you. And it's going to be good, even and maybe especially when it's not good.